welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season three, episode 13, The Zeppo. And this week we're once again joined by Jackie. Hey. Along with Mr. Frog. Look, I didn't interrupt this time. (laughs) I'm so proud of you. I kept staring. I'm staring at him on my monitor waiting for him to. And me. (laughs) (laughs) I was literally waiting for that. That's why I like paused for a second. I was like, is Kevin going to say something? I just noticed something. Um. Froggy and Mr. Froggy, are you guys in two different rooms? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay. I'm in my man cave with my great camera. Yeah. We thought we, we thought on our episode all about the uh, token straight white male, we should include our token straight white male. <laughs> straight male? <laughs> okay. I'm here. The man teen is back in the building. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I have any announcements this week. So are you going to tell me about this fan mail that we received? <laughs> oh, my God. That's what I meant to do. Oh, that's 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 uh, that's news. Fan mail. I've been waiting anxiously. Oh, uh, we got our first piece of fan mail. So that was so exciting. Yay. Is it just the person ranting about how you like Xander? It is not, actually. <laughs> um, it's from a listener in Canada. Oh, oh, we love Canada. So it's not one of our friends. It's not Jackie leaving no. us a review. <laughs> hey, being a fan from the beginning got me here. Okay. Hey, hey. I mean. No, no. So we got, yes, it's a listener in Canada. They are an old school Buffy fan. And kind of like they said, like us, they just, they couldn't find a podcast. They were happy with until they discovered ours wow that's so cool that is that is one of the highest compliments best buffy podcast i've been insufferable to live with all week according to me yes (laughs) yeah we got fan mail so yes there we go i had an announcement we got fan mail so to our listener who sent it in i don't want to say your name on the air just in case thank you so so much so that yeah so that was my only announcement yay fan mail yay uh so we'll go right into it The Zeppo aired January 26th, 1999, and our synopsis is, as demons try to reopen the Hellmouth, Xander falls in with a gang of tough guys who try to sink Sunnydale. <laughs> it's it's pretty straightforward. It's, yeah. 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 Uh, but okay, so I have a few small things about this episode before we go on. Uh, one, I guess, is the title, The Zeppo, which refers to Zeppo Marks. Uh, the youngest of the Mark brothers, rarely given comedic material. He was often forced to play the straight man. And so eventually just stopped appearing in the films. He went off and started his own acting agency. Oh. Yeah, I guess he was just like, fuck you guys, I'm out. Screw you guys, I'm going home. Uh, <laughs> See you <two>. guys. <laughs> The format and the overall feel of this episode is so very clearly an homage to Tom Stoppard's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Yes. Uh, which if no, if somebody doesn't know what that is, it is a play about Rosencrantz and Guildenstern to side characters of Hamlet and just everything they're doing while the main drama is going on. And they'll occasionally walk through scenes. So it's, it's very much like this episode. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things. Like, I love Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Um, Russell T. Davies, the showrunner for the revival of Doctor Who, was inspired for this episode uh, when he did Love and Monsters, which follows a group of 
people who aren't associated with the doctor. And then he's inspired to do more episodes like that. So I always love things where you're finding out what people are doing. And it's kind of like we were talking about my life as a background Slytherin. Ah, so good. Wait, what is that? It's a it's a webcomic and it's like just random Slytherins and just occasionally Draco like that like they, when they're doing like the the dance in Goblet of Fire and they do like the dance lessons with Snape that like the Slytherins must have had so it's like flail yeah so it's just you know just very funny little snippets of what could be going on while all the main action Froggy you've probably read the the books that I forget what they're called but they're basically all of the side characters in, in the Star Wars the original trilogy oh oh, oh yeah yeah from a certain point of view yeah <laughs> from a certain point of view tales from Jabba's palace tales yeah so all of those are uh, yeah I love I love which, which is pretty much the Mandalorian you know that's, that's like, yeah yeah it's like some I, I like those the side quests that aren't the end of the world you know and the the best part is like the man like Mando doesn't even know that he's the main character of his own show because he had like there's all this other stuff going on and you have Ahsoka showing up you have Bo-Katan you have all this and he just ends up in these positions that he didn't even expect. And so so going along with side characters forgotten characters uh, the creator has actually said this whole episode this feel is why he created Agents of Shield. Yep. Because he wanted to do a whole show about the people who are normally ignored. Yeah. So that was really exciting. And then the last thing, which just, uh, Nikki cried when he got the script. Aww. Because he was just Aww. so happy about like what it meant for his character. And you can tell he was having so much fun with this episode. Because, I mean, it is... It is completely Xander. Like everything, there is nothing out of character for Xander here, but you're just getting a whole episode that's Xander. Yeah, he gets get to stretch it. You know, you got yeah. like, to pull his character and be Xander, the most Xander Xander was. So and far. his, the whole thing, and the whole episode is just how this day is just getting more and more ridiculous for him. Poor Xander. <laughs> dive into Xander's day what are our international titles our international titles this week there were a few that used the zeppo or zeppo for it Mm -hmm. but in armenian i feel so bad for xander for some of these oh no in armenian we have useless (laughs) check is outsider finnish devil loose that's weird french not like it's all for naught. <laughs> okay, I kind of like that one. I think one. that makes sense because we also associate the phrase Zeppo with like meaning nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I do like I do like German Night of the Living Corpses. Oh yes, <laughs> that one's German. That one's, that one's good. good. Italian, the Day of the Apocalypse. That one is very straightforward. Polish is cool, dude. Oh, yeah, they gave gave Xander a plus on that one. Portuguese. <laughs> A nobody. Oh, by the way. I feel bad for both Zeppo and Xander in some of these. Russian is also useless. And Spanish from Latin America is lack of character. Any of them that like like focused on the end or the the apocalypse, you know, like what the the crew was doing, I think is the wrong title because it really wasn't about that. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We saw them way more in this episode than I remember. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the thing that I like about that is you see them at varying stages yeah. of what they're doing. So you have no context of how they got to certain points. 
Nope. Mm-hmm. Just so dramatic. So we'll oh. get, get to it later with Buffy and Angel, but yeah, just so oh, yeah. dramatic. <laughs> We're going to talk about that and the fact that they just, they amped the drama up to 120. <laughs> it was over the top ridiculous. Oh yeah, you could tell you could you could tell that David and Sarah were just having so much fun. Ham, ham, and like ham. I feel like I feel like they were being told, no, you gotta give us more. More. <laughs> more. Like we can't give you any more. No, you need to give us more. So we do get a previously on. It's a very short previously on. It basically tells us Giles has been fired and then we're on our way. Yeah. <laughs> well that's I mean there are scenes in here where he's trying to contact the council and they're just like not talking yeah. to him. So I guess that gives that kind of context. Yeah, in case you didn't you didn't remember last week, Giles was fired from being a watcher. From there, we're immediately put into the action. Faith, Buffy, Giles, and Willow all in a cave taking on some sort of demon. Willow conducts some sort of spell, which is the Mystine spell as we'll learn later. And the others make their move. Buffy and Giles pin the demon to the cave wall as Faith runs them through with a sword. As the demon falls to the ground, Giles says he believes that to be the last. Buffy goes to help him up and we see that there are a few other dead demons littering the floor of the cave. As Willow emerges from her spot, Buffy asks if she's okay. Yep. Great. The shaking is a side effect of the fear. And Willow's spell was the mist because Buffy says something about the clouding spell. Faith says the demons were wicked rowdy. You know, in case we've forgotten, she comes from Boston anytime <laughs> since we last saw her. And it's nice that we have Faith back. Yeah, it's wicked nice awesome. Faith is ba- I think we're going to keep her from here on out. Yeah, yeah, we keep her because from, from here... We go to bad go- girls. And yeah. Then, yeah, so we're going to yeah. keep Faith from here on out. Yeah, bad girls and consequences is after that. So, yeah, we're 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 heading to her, her shift. Her arc. Yep. She asks what their deal is, and Giles says he wishes he knew. Most of his sources have dried up since the council relieved him of his duties. Okay. Plot. I get it. Plot. But that seems false to me. (laughs) Because I feel like Giles didn't talk to the council very often. It was all this, like, this guy I know at Oxford. This museum colleague. This dude I knew from, like, when I was 12. These are the people Giles calls. I think they were also still affiliated with the council and also Um, i feel like a lot of the people that they had again are affiliated with the council and the fact that he's no longer on they were probably contacted and told not to talk and told not to talk to him it's like it's like being a jehovah's witness you know (laughs) when you get when you leave the church no one's allowed to talk to you anymore so (laughs) excommunicated that's pretty much how they're making it seem Yeah. yeah like he's I, I would think that like somebody with Giles's qualifications would be demoted where he's no longer a watcher, but because he has these skills, he still is useful. But no, because Travers is a freaking jerk. Uh, Travers is a little bitch. He went way too, way beyond. Like he was waiting for that moment. He was waiting for Giles to fuck up hard enough that he could say those words. He and Snyder need to get together and have tea because they are two of the same. I, I don't know if anyone else noticed, though, but um, did anyone notice that uh, Buffy's hairstylist was a psychopath <laughs> with a crimper this episode? Okay, I was just going to say that I loved how Buffy was looking with her crimped hair. It's, it's okay, but she had a, it was like it was done up like every other scene. I, I like completely different every single time and and it was always like super crimped it was like but i've never seen her like that before and i'm like uh, okay <laughs> okay let me let me tell you something about having Wait, long but hair you Kevin. haven't seen a men's yet have you <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> the baby. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> Don't judge Buffy's hair until you've seen the worst hair. Uh, Whoa! It wasn't the worst hair. It was just unusual and and like. I'm, uh, crimping is not that fast of a thing. She must have just been like, "I like doing this." Ah. And he, well, and also he was complaining about how her hair was down, her hair was up, her hair was down. It was indifferent. It was braided. It was pulled back. It was. It was what you I think don't it was, realize? I think it was cut at one point. Completely different. You don't. You don't see me during the day when I'm at work because my hair is down. I have it in a clip. I have it up in a bun. I have it in a ponytail. It's down. Yes, my this hair was goes- full on style and looked like it was even cut differently at one point. Like like when Xander's doing her thing, she she's like went to the salon. Kevin, well, you know what? She has to look pretty for the end of the world. True. Yeah, exactly. If it's the last night on earth, I'm going out with Don't my friend. Exactly. <laughs> yes, Kevin was very Kevin was very concerned about the hair. Oh, just wait for amends. That's all I'm going to say to you. There's supposed to to be a person that takes a photo of you in the episode. And when you start a new scene, you put him back in the way they were. Look, she was, but but Buffy was going through a lot in this episode. There's a lot of action that we didn't see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There we go. Just, just. Just uh, I'll let it go. Let it go. Just full out it. You got full out it. Mr. Froggy is continuity cop. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of people's looks, everybody, like Buffy did look super cute. I love the pink sparkly sweater. Oh, but I, I love like that. How, how like Giles transformation is like immediate. Oh, yeah. He's, in he's his, like pullover fleece and his like casual slacks. He's because not when even. Get, when you get fired, you have to hang up your tweed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he still wears it in the library, but he's not going to wear it after hours anymore. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, and, and before when he was still on the council, even when he would go patrolling with her, he was still in the tweed. He's like, oh, thank God I can be comfortable when I'm out in the real world. Because he's still, he's still a librarian, so he still has to maintain the look for when he's at his other job. Giles says he knew there was a nest there, but he expected it to be vampires. These are new and improved. Giles says he should have prepared them better, that he never should have allowed Willow and They look around. Clearly someone is missing. (laughs) A moment later, some garbage moves and Xander emerges from under it. It's cool. He's fine. All good. Go team. (laughs) Buffy asks if he's okay. He's like, yeah, totally. But if anyone sees, you know, his spine laying around, (laughs) Buffy's concerned. One day he's going to get really hurt. Or dead, as Faith helpfully adds. Or both. So maybe with the pain and all, he shouldn't just <laughs> rush into the fray. Maybe he should be more fray adjacent. So, okay. I know it's for the plot. Again, I know it's for the plot. It's a delightful plot. I'm so excited for the plot. We're going to get there. But there's never been concern about this before. Like, literally from the first episode, Xander was like, nope, going with you. Gonna find the people that killed my best friend. And everyone's been like, cool. And now they're like, no, Xander, you're not capable. Stay away. And I'm yeah. like, and I understand. And, and he's got he's got army man skills. And 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 Giles gets bonked upon the head way more often than <laughs> Xander does. That man should worry about his brain situation. He's gonna have like that, that disease that uh football guys get or wrestlers when they like like Cordelia said, one of these days he's gonna wake up in a coma. <laughs> I, I mean, to play devil's advocate though, if we look at the episode before where the slayer herself almost died, I'm gonna just chalk it up to now everybody is concerned about the person who has no power because of what happened to Buffy when she had no power. And I think also okay. sometimes when there's big bads where things seem to be a little bit more 
perilous than others, I think that's when they do wor- worry about him more. But yeah, I get what yeah, I get what you're saying that we've had three seasons of him just running headfirst into danger and nobody Yeah. Xander is rightfully so a bit insulted because who at a crucial moment distracted the lead demon by allowing her to pull him. <laughs> it says, yeah, it was real manly how he shrieked and all Xander would like to think of it more as a bellow. But <laughs> Xander. Buffy asked what they should do with the trio Burnham and Willow says she brought marshmallows. <laughs> I freaking love that line. And then yes. she says, occasionally I'm callous and strange. Yes. And I use that everywhere. I do too. I love it so much. I know, because it's 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 something that you wouldn't expect coming out of Willow's mouth. Nope. But it is such a good moment. <laughs> I also think this series is for people who are callous and strange. Oh, yes. So, so it's just full well, you circle know inviting the audience. In. It also like, it also reminds like, and I, it also reminds me just how much I love Allison because she does look sweet. She is cute and she always plays like these, but then you go, you think about American pie. <laughs> yeah. And that line coming out of her mouth and just the way that she delivered it in such a cute, straightforward way. She has she has very, very good timing. She got typecasted for a while because she was so good at that. (laughs) Yeah, but it was well, she yeah, it's it's just she does it very well. Giles says he thinks they should just leave them as he's more concerned with finding out what they are and if they can expect more of them. Buffy hopes not. They were way too fit. But Xander, he says, bring them on. As the gang begins to exit the cave, Giles motions for Xander to walk with him. Maybe in the future, it would be best if Xander stayed more towards the rear of the battle for his own sake. His response is a reference to Jimmy Olsen with a, but gee, Mr. White, Lois and Clark get all the good stories. How will I ever be a real reporter? <laughs> uh, the reference is lost on Giles, but not on us. Mm-hmm. First appearing in 1954, Jimmy Olsen was, or rather is, I guess, a young photojournalist working at the Daily Planet. He often looked to Lois and Clark as mentors slash parental figures and appeared in 222 issues of the comics. He has also been featured in the Superman movies, the TV show, The Adventures of Lois and Clark, and the Arrowverse Supergirl series. <laughs> we love Jimmy Olsen. We do. And especially when Justin Whalen played Jimmy Olsen. We yeah. all had a crush on him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did like Justin yeah. Whalen as Jimmy Olsen. Yep. Credits. Still awesome. We return from the credits to Sunnydale High. Students mill about, chatting, tossing footballs, which Xander wants in. He calls out to the guys, tossing the ball around, trying to get their attention, wanting to be part of it. All while Cordereal watches, standing <laughs> with two of the cheerleaders and looking more like a teacher than a student. What is up with that outfit? Like the her, long coat. Yeah, her, her whole look. Every time she's on screen in this episode, again, she's... Doing that but, thing where she looks like somebody's suburban mom. And I mean, it's worse than normal. Like these, the outfits in this episode are just bad. And like compared with her hair when she runs into him, which we'll talk about later, at the espresso pub, she legit looks like a 29-year-old woman. Yeah. Like she full on looks her age in that scene, which isn't bad. She's gorgeous, but she's just, she's not a teenager and it's very obvious. I think by this point they gave up on trying to make charisma look younger because they do like a lot of times they do intentionally 
work to make her look not as old as she actually is. But I think at this point, like, we know that she's on her way out to L.A. soon. Yeah. I just also, like, it's, I know it's for the plot, but it is so annoying that, like, her whole purpose in this episode is just to taunt Xander. Yeah. I, yeah, I'll bring that up in a few minutes. I don't, it's not a good look for Cordy. Yeah, but she, she wants to backstab him, like a, you know, with, she wants to get back at him for cheating on her. So, yeah. you know, she's bitter, bitter. Yeah, that reaches, I, I think, like, it reaches a certain point where that, like, they gave, they gave Cordelia such a great p- character progression from where she started at in season one. So where they've taken to her since the breakup is reverting back to all of that. And undoing all of the she she could have just she could have been more. That's well, that's what people do though. A lot of times when yes, but we don't want somebody's we don't want a character in a show to that be their whole thing. The well, other thing is, viewers, we've seen her be bitter now for like several episodes. It would yeah. be different if we were like, okay, she's bitter like post the breakup you know, because of what happened. But now we're just like, okay, this has gone on for a couple episodes. She goes out of her way to just do it. And like, yeah. if she just ignored him and got on with it, but... I, I kind of forget what happens after this, but does this, this her opinion change? Because I think they also might have been setting it up for her to... I mean, they're, it takes a while, but they're setting up what happens in the prom episode. Yeah. Yeah, because they, they, they wanted... They, they, they wanted, uh, once again timeline things like a couple other episodes where it's like they wanted to do this thing but they didn't know where to stick it because they want they want her to they want her to have this experience with xander where she is super bitter but then at the end she starts to change her mind a little bit because he's changed a little bit you know and but they just didn't know where to put it in in the sequence or or they just had to put it here for for reasons other than I think there are different ways they could have gone about it, though. Like, like we talked about in amends, which you haven't seen yet. Like, she, what she does in amends is basically unforgivable. Oh yeah, it's it's very very like there's being upset someone cheated on you, and there's outing his family problems. Yeah, and like this kind of in the cafeteria. It's not just like amongst like we see it as a scene amongst friends. But she's saying this in the middle of the cafeteria. And it's kind of like the same thing in this. Like, these are personal attacks. If she was just being like, oh, my life is so much better than yours. I'm, and like, which I think also would have served better for the reveal later in the season. Yeah. If she was like, oh, I'm doing all this great stuff. Look at me with this, like, guys. Oh, like, I'm going to do this thing and this thing and this thing. And then we find out, you know, her dad has no money. I would say uh, her family's going to crap right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's also probably taking it out on someone else because that's how things also work. You know, people are in a bad place and then they feel terrible and they want someone else to feel terrible. That's just how, you know, bullying, bullying works a lot of yeah. times. Somebody Go take it out on Harmony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Xander's just her easy target. She knows him the best. She, you know, and he'll take it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's ex- that's exactly it. But oh my god, yeah. Um, the 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 thing in amends is just yeah. Anyway, one of the football guys who we will learn his name, Doug, eventually <laughs> takes pity on Xander and throws the ball in his direction. He runs to get it, 
almost has it. Oh. But then he fumbles and the ball hits Jack O'Toole. Oh, Jack O'Toole. Jack O'Toole. <laughs> Jack O'Toole. <laughs> Causing him to drop his lunch. Xander oh. is immediately apologetic, blaming Doug, saying his arm is like spaghetti. They all feel very sorry for him. But Jack, he just asks if Xander is mentally challenged, though in a much more inappropriate Ooh. way. In a much more 90s way. Oh, it mm. always, it always, like I, it's still always a like, yeah, a and reaction. Then we thought nothing of it. But now yeah. you're like, oh, do we say that word? We don't say <laughs> that word. No, no. I mean, and to be fair, like up until... Probably about 10 or 15 years ago, we were still using that yeah, word. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Sanders says no. He was tested, but he was seven. <laughs> Little slow on some stuff, math, spatial relations, but definitely not challenged. During this conversation, Cordelia just keeps creeping nearer. And I just, I, is she on her way to see her client in court? I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't. Also, you know, you guys mentioned this in amends. It's like people are wearing coats, like these big, like New York style coats in Southern California. I'm I know. Like, Who is wearing this coat? Buffy like, does it again in this episode. She has like a parka on. Yeah. I am the cold person who is frequently cold here. And I don't even own a coat that long for this weather. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, like it amends Joyce. Like they even mention how hot it is, and we have a fire going. (laughs) It's like currently a hundred degrees because we're in we're in our summer right now. So I'm like, just the thought of someone wearing. I know, and and it's it's in the eighties here, and I'm just sitting here like it's it's like ninety four to one hundred and forty percent humidity right now. It's It's filthy Philadelphia right now. Yeah, yeah, we are definitely that song right now. Hey, look, because it is almost July 4th. (laughs) Xander asks if he can get Jack another soda, and Jack says he should cut his face off. Jack is very intense. Yeah, yeah, then that's perfect casting for Jack. Shannon Rowe is so good at being this oh like my God, he's psycho. So- no, he was he was he was scary. Like you do not want it's like the guy you just awkward and you don't know what to say because he is so crazy, you might just make him flip. Or you might like make him laugh. Like you just didn't you don't know what and also and also Shannon Rowe is about thirty years old here. <laughs> they do I think they do mention briefly like that he's flunked like yeah, Cordelia says he's like, like yeah. he's repeating 12th grade for the third time. Yeah, yeah. but he's still he's, he's about to age out. You know, was that 20 something, right? Age out about 20 years old, 22. Yeah, yeah, he's but no, I looked up his I look I'm like he is 30 years old in this episode. <laughs> but he's still so good. We love Chan and Rowe. Xander is just kind of like, whoa. <laughs> and tells him that it's all good. Everything's fine. Just Did maybe you get the part where he sings out. Michael Jackson? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Which Jack takes as Xander wanting to start something. <laughs> so yeah, Xander then is like, oh, like the Michael Jackson song? It's so fun. <laughs> oh, he's just, I, I love, this is the Xander that we love where he just... He keeps talking because he doesn't know what else to do. I also Comedy just love this defense. episode. Yeah. I I think the I think the um, the writing in this episode is just it's like beat for beat for beat funny. It's hilarious. Yeah. Jack says he's going to get his buddies and kick Xander's ass till it's a whole new shape. A bit shaken, Xander takes the ball back and scurries off. As he tosses it back to the guys, D.A. Chase over there tells Xander that <laughs> all the humiliations 
She's witnessed. <laughs> that one takes the cake. Sanders says he could have taken him. Yeah, right. O'Toole would have macramed his face. He's a psycho, which is still cooler than being a wuss. Sanders wants to know why it is. After all he's seen, vampires, demons, monsters, he's still scared of Jack. Cordelia says it's simple, unlike all the others. Jack actually noticed he was there. Sandra says, why is he surprised by how comforting she's not? Cordelia says it must be hard for all his friends to have superpowers and for him to just be this little nothing. Shut up, Cordelia. Oh my God, Cordy. Like this, this is exact. And I know we're getting to that. And I know like that's the whole point. But this is exactly what makes Xander awesome. That despite having no powers, no advantages whatsoever, he still goes out there, still fights alongside his friends, because it is the right thing to do. And that's that's why I was always glad that they didn't give Xander any other kind yes. of power. Because it just keeps this whole thing that he can be part of the team and they accept him as part of the team, except for some reason they're not accepting him as part of the team this time around. Story. It's the only reason. That's, yeah. The message is that, you know, you're you're a vital part of society, even if you're not, you know, some exceptional sports player. Or yeah. Some, if you don't contribute you know, the way that most people. Genius, yeah. You know, there's still value yeah. in your contributions if you want to contribute, which is what Z- Xander always wants to help. So there's value in wanting to be there and helping. Yep. I Did like I, that, Jackie. <laughs> you are valued by society. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, that's like a lot it's of it. us. Like, no, that's, we're just that's, normal yeah. people. And it's saying to us, the normal viewer, like the, the average yeah. viewer is not, you know, is not Stacey Abrams. Like the average viewer is like a person who's like, <laughs> I want to be here. I want to contribute. I want to help. But, um, you know, it's saying, well, there's value in what you can contribute. I wish we could all be Stacey Abrams. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Cordelia says he must feel like Jimmy Olsen. Xander starts to laugh and tell the story of how he told Giles the exact same thing, but stops himself, telling Cordelia to mind her own business. He is an integral part of the group. He's a useless part of the group. He's the Zeppo. She tells him to look up cool because he's not it. No, cool is Jack, a subliterate who repeated 12th grade three times but not him. As she walks away, she smirks saying there was no part of that that wasn't fun. Fuck off, Courtney. Wait, yeah. Like, <laughs> go back to your law firm. And I mean, she did. <laughs> as she's ser- that's a serious she looks someone like. else. Right? I mean, he is not on trial here. And like, she did so well last episode. Like, she mm-hmm. was there for Buffy, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. And now she's just, it's just, like we said, it's not a good look. So let's talk about Shannon Rowe instead. Can we? Yes, yeah. because Jack O'Toole, as he said, is played by Shannon Rowe, who we all adore and love. He is the third cast member from Kindred the Embraced Yay. to appear in the Buffyverse, <laughs> but he will not be the last. No. Kindred spinoff. Kindred. <laughs> we- <laughs> I just bought so I just bought the entire season, so we will do something with Kindred. Yes. Uh, aside from playing Cash on Kindred, he was also in Psycho Beach Party alongside Nikki. And has guest starred on shows like The X-Files, Deadwood, Bones with David, and CSI. So then we have Wanna Be Starting Something, like Xander said. It's a Michael Jackson song. It was recorded in 1982. It is the sixth song on the Thriller album. And some people might remember it from Glee. Because when they did their Michael episode, it was the opening number. Yep. 
Oh, Glee. B- oh, Glee. Yeah, that's, <laughs> everybody got quiet. <laughs> We're just like, oh, Glee, that thing that happened oh, that we all lived through. Yeah. And that they tried. They jumped the shark so many times. Oh, my gosh. It started out. It started out so fun. Started out so fun. Ended so weird. Oh. If anybody wants like a Ryan Murphy show that's actually a really good parody, like a legit parody, because it is a it is a wackadoo show. Watch Popular instead. Popular of Glee. is so popular is so much it better. It only lasted two seasons, but it is Leslie Bibb. It is Carly Pope. Wentworth Miller is like a psycho cheerleader. It's so it's so good. Yeah, so good. yeah. Watch popular instead. Popular is definitely a better Ryan Murphy option which i can't believe i'm saying better ryan murphy options but here we are <laughs> the world no, we live i in. think um uh oh crap uh pose pose yeah. is a really oh, pose is good too good yeah show. the you know the problem i have with some of the american horror stories is ryan murphy gets to the point where he's like what if i put all the things i like into one season and well I'm see like, that's oh. that's I what still- I still can't handle season two. Like when they got to the alien, I was like, I'm oh, when it no, got to aliens. No, yeah. No, we're in a, we're in like a mental asylum and then there's aliens. And I was like, did we need to go here? See, also, I, I, there's like Anne Frank. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. The new season of his like anthology one looks good, or at least it looks super creepy because all the trailers have been like dolls and a dollhouse. And I'm like, this better deliver because See, this looks freaky. See, well, then he's going to just throw in an alien and Frank and bad Santa, <laughs> which is all things that happen in season two of American Horror Story. See, one, see, Murder House and Salem were the best because they were very, they were, he held himself back. Like he didn't try to do yeah. way too much. Like, he had a guy going, no. Yes, that's uh, yes. right. No. He needs like, a no person. Like when I, when I worked with Pat with designing, I'm like, no, you cannot do that. No. You need, yeah, you need, every everybody, every like the crazy per the crazy enthusiastic person that wants to do everything needs that guy next to him. You're like, yep. calm down. Well, We're see, that's why way. that's why some of the best film editors in Hollywood are women. Like a lot of stuff from Star Wars was pulled back because of George Lucas's wife. Like <laughs> George Lucas, just general needs pulling back. Oh yeah, he is that guy. His wife on the day that they were like. <laughs> Uh, I think this is what for, this movie needs. I think they were divorced at that time. I can't remember the tweet, but there was, some, there was also something with Spielberg too, and his wife being, you know. But yeah, there's like the, some of the best ta- editors in Hollywood are women because they can say, "Look, we need to pull back." <laughs> oh, <Dr>. Anyway, <laughs> we got on to Ryan Murphy. <laughs> That's what happens on this show. This is why you come here. You come here for the adjacent content as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are not. We are not just straightforward. You come here for the road trip where you end up in the Bronx with the chicken. <laughs> Inside joke. Oh, really, Kevin? Is it? <laughs> oh, the chicken Bronx. We, okay. we killed. We killed Mary. <laughs> okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. We're good. All right. In the cafeteria, Xander tries to break down the mystery of cool. Who has it? Who doesn't? And who makes the call about who has it and doesn't? Oz says he doesn't know. (sighs) Yes, but Oz is cool. Is he? Xander (laughs) wonders if it's the talking. The way Oz seems to express himself in short, non-committal phrases could be. But then there's also the whole band thing, which is like a business class ticket to Coolsville with complimentary mojo after takeoff. (laughs) 
He needs to learn an instrument. How hard is the guitar? Does is the way he plays it? Not very. I mean, he already he already admitted that there's a thing that they're supposed to do called practice. Still, eighth grade, Xander played the flugelhorn and nothing. <laughs> so the whole <laughs> instrumental thing could be a mislead. Okay, so what Xander actually says is that he got zero trim. And I was hesitant to include it because it can be seen as kind of vulgar. Because it, it's kind of up there with like pussy yeah. on a slang term. But then I double checked myself and I learned that it was a jazz term. But so, it could also mean that because a lot of jazz terms. Oh, no, 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 no. It is a jazz term for vagina. Oh, okay. Like it was used in the lyrics. Like this, the slang word has been around since the 1920s. I love it. It was slang. used. In the lyrics of jazz songs. Okay. The, the 20s yeah. were the raunchiest times, man. It's like, they, they, everyone thinks of the good old days, but when they, you go back to the 20s and they were like, the, the girls' dresses, they had seamstresses in the in the bars because they were so thin and see-through that they were just falling apart when they were dancing. Um, their boobs were just hanging out of their bathing suits. And I've seen this. I, I transfer all we the have, yeah, to the 20s. Those woolly, oh, those woolly one-piece bathing suits, side boob, just boob hanging out all the time. <laughs> There's there, one of my one of my favorite songs from the jazz era is like, I need a little hot dog on my roll. Oh no! Like I need some <laughs> sugar. I need some sugar in my bowl. Is basically the song, and she's just using all these euphemisms about no, how she you. needs sex. Yeah. No, thank you. It is. I mean, and there's. There, people, people just need to listen to some old jazz music because some of it, some of it is very tame, but also not tame. And then they liked sex. I don't know why people don't think that we we have a we knew a lady, a friend of our family grandmother. She loved to tell us about all the men she had sex with back in the twenties <laughs> and thirties. This lady, she loved. I mean, and this is a ninety-year-old woman who loved talking about how much sex she had oh my god <laughs> um well let's jump off the sex topic go back to the cool topic which the okay. um, one one word took us on a whole diversion but like seth green who i i don't assume he doesn't seem like the coolest guy in the world he plays an amazing uh oz here with being cool but he's just it's just a, such a goofball well, I think like Seth Green was right there with like Felicia Day, like leading the whole nerds are cool revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, but yeah. like Oz, Oz is definitely not Seth Green. You know, oh, I, no. Seth Green is cool now. He was a total nerd back then, for real. But no, because uh, I, that's I was the nerd. I didn't think I was always wondering how the hell I like can I be cool, but. Apparently, I found out years later that I was actually the cool nerd. I don't know how this happened, and I didn't know it. But I'm like, oh yeah, we liked hanging out with you more than your brother because uh, you were the cool one. I'm like, I was the cool one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like, and I think that's the way Xander is right now. He doesn't even understand that he's like the funny, goofy, cool. Like, like he's an enjoyment to hang out with. They just, he's just yeah. got. He's all self conscious now because they don't. Everyone thinks he. He's going to get killed. Yeah. I love this conversation because I, I do. It's funny. It's like a, a very funny conversation, you know, with the laconic Oz, like having the one word syllable answers and saying, you know, you have this strange new obsession, which I think it's <laughs> uh, a new obsession, which I think makes you very special. But the other thing about cool is that, uh, you know, this 
what what the episode is trying to say is that if you keep searching for whatever cool is, you're not going to find it. It's just kind of like it is what it is. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, like with most of us who can relate to Xander, where we have never been cool, where it's just you end up having to do your own thing. And that's really what that's Xander what cool is, though. It's yeah. when you're doing your own thing. You know, yeah, you I mean, you're sure. so uncool that for, you're cool. For yes. me, cool <laughs> is hurting Mary's brain with all the puns that I do and being grounded. <laughs> Opposite of cool. Reject it. <laughs> yes, that is Froggy's thing. Xander says he needs a thing, a thing that nobody else has. And Oz says he's overthinking it. He's having identity issues. It's not... And yes, we get another fabulous transition. So fabulous. As we cut to the library and Giles telling Buffy it's the end of the world. Seems their demons belong to the Sisterhood of G, an apocalyptic cult that exists solely to bring about the destruction of the world. And they're in Sunnydale for what? A demon expo? Ooh, that's another thing we need like stickers for. Demon Con 99. Yeah. Held, obviously, in Sunnydale. Anyway, Giles tells her it's no laughing matter. And she says she knows. Hence the lack of laughter. Oz enters then, heading for the cage, and Giles says he's cutting it a little close, before returning his attention to Buffy, who asks again if they know why the sisterhood is in Sunnydale. Well, according to some things that he found in the current astrological patterning, he believes they are there to open the Hellmouth, because of course they are. The Hellmouth, as in the one that opened about 20 feet from where she is standing... Some ominous chanting type music plays and then for added ambience, a riled up Oz hits the side of the bookcage, now fully in wolf form and howling. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. This costume is the worst, by the way. I I mean, it's just, it's It's mind blowing to me that a show that's so good with all of its other special effects, like think about the gentleman. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, no, not I'm special gonna... effects. I should say practicals. Like they have oh, okay. a lot of yeah, good yeah. practical makeup. When you look at like the faces of like the gentleman and some other bad guys that they've done practical makeup for. But yeah. when, but that's why I'm like, why, why, why this? I feel like at this point in history with and special effects. And they never it. Well, and there was so like they went through like every pretty much every Oz wolf costume is different because yeah, they it just like, changes keep... every season. Yeah. yeah. And it's it really is. I, I feel again, I feel like this is a bad time for werewolf prosthetics because werewolf prosthetics are very hard to get right, though. Yeah. I can't really think of a show that doesn't just have them turn into wolves. See, that I, does it correctly. One right. thing, see, one thing that I always like, like I liked, I mean, I, I love Teen Wolf, but I like how like the wolves, like they just grew a little extra for a little extra hair. Their eyes changed. They got teeth like and I like that. And I think only a few times you had like weird intermediate transitions. So like you have to like there has to be some sort of we- a balance between like how you're going to do it. Because this just looks like a gorilla costume to me. Yeah. Just, yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah. A lot of, on it. Yeah. yeah the, when we the, get to uh, the Halloween episode in season four, I like what they do with Oz a little bit there, where it is. It's not the full transformation. Mm-hmm. It's just the elongated claws and like the facial hair. Yeah. And I think they should have just gone with that look for the whole show. Yeah. And I understand that they wanted to do something that looked beastly, to, but it just didn't work very well. But we don't get a lot of it, so... 
The next morning, Willow and Buffy discuss the impending apocalypse as they walk to school. Willow wants to know what happens if the hell mouth opens. Remember the monster that tried to get out the night she died? Willow says every nightmare she has that is not about academic failure or public nudity is about that monster. Once she even dreamed that it attacked her while she was late for a test and naked. (laughs) Well, it would be the first to come out and not the worst, not by a long shot. The world will become overrun with demons if they don't stop it. Does Giles know when they're supposed to try and open it? No, but he's looking into it. They're headed into deep research mode if Willow says she'd be insulted if she they hadn't already counted her in. Buffy thanks her and says there's just something about this one that scares her. She needs her Willow. Willow tells her she doesn't need to be afraid. Right before a car horn blares and she jumps. No worries, though. It's just Xander looking a bit leisure suit Larry. <laughs> as he pulls up in a gorgeous teal Chevy convertible. Well, at least he dressed... He, he did dress the part. the part for the car. Like he yeah. looks, I mean, as silly Vegas as road trip right there, man. Yeah. As silly as it looks because it's Xander. Like, it, you know what? Kudos to him for, for going yeah. the whole, the whole way. He asked the girls if they need a ride and they ask him, what is this? What's with the car? It's his thing. His thing. Yeah. His thing. Buffy asked if this is a penis metaphor. <laughs> And he says, no, it's his thing. The thing that makes him unique. He's car guy. Willow wants to know how he can afford it. Uncle Rory. Turns out he stacked up the DUIs. And so he's letting Xander drive the car till he's mobile again. Oh, Uncle Rory. (laughs) Buffy says it's nice. And Xander asks if she can look any less enthused. She's sorry. It's just evil. Big. The biggest. So they'll handle it together. He's here for her. Just tell him what to do. What he can do, apparently, is make the snack run. Because when we next see Xander, he's at the espresso pump, picking up a box of assorted donuts. Coming in, Cordelia asks if there's evil afoot. Must be big if they've entrusted him with the most sacred mission. Paying for the snacks, he tells Cordelia to feel free to drop dead of a wasting disease anytime in the next 20 minutes. (laughs) And you know what? I'm kind of with him on that one. Yeah, I mean... do you have Cordy? Right now. Right now, being a bitch. Yeah, but you can see she's almost prying though, trying to get back. She wants to know what's going on, but she doesn't want to bust her bitch persona at the moment. But you know how you can figure out what's going on? You can be nice. Pretty much. Yeah, but when you're when you're mad, are you ever nice to people? Always. I, I feel very pointed by that question. <laughs> like you I just literally find it like it's it's extremely questionable that Cordy is at like the donut shop because I'm like I don't see Cordy eating donuts like she's so she's stalking him she's there she's to definitely stalking him it, technically it's the espresso pump so oh. Cordy could have been there to get a coffee or a latte or something but I I agree she's stalking Xander yeah <laughs> she wants to be involved but she doesn't want to give Xander an inch I mean mm-hmm. we're we're salty and we hold grudges we cool. know this about us but this is taking it way too far, Cordy. Yep. He starts to leave and Cordelia says once again, she's struck a nerve. She is the surgeon of mean. Xander doesn't have time for this. What? Buffy need him? Can he spell expendable? Xander says she doesn't know anything and she says she knows him. What? Just because he got a shiny new car, he thinks he's someone new? No one cares. As she's saying that, a cute blonde comes up and asks Xander about the car. Turns out it's a 1957 Chevy Bel Air, which today goes from anywhere from $30,000 to $100,000. So it's it's a nice classic car. Mm-hmm. The girl marvels over the specs and Xander asks her if she wants to go for a ride. Loving that Cordelia is watching all of this. 
She asks if he's busy and he says, no, he just needs to drop one thing off. And then he would describe himself as expendable. (laughs) Turns out the girl is more into the car than him. As it seems from the very long story, she's telling Xander about her dating history. (laughs) And she tends to choose her boyfriends based on what cars they drive. Xander is over it. So over it, in fact, that when Angel enters the bronze, (laughs) he is actually excited to see him. That's, yes. You know things are dire when he's excited to see Angel. Yeah. Calling him buddy and motioning for him to join them. Angel says he can't. He's looking for Buffy. Library. He then says something big is coming. He's seen the portents. Yeah, apocalypse. They're on top of it. No, Angel says they have no idea what they're up against. (laughs) Great. So they should go there and tell them. Angel says it's best Xander remain out of harm's way. I do. And like we were talking about earlier, I love how purposefully overdramatic everyone's acting is regarding the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not their first apocalypse. This will not be their apocalypse. In fact, this is one of 13 apocalypse they will face (laughs) through the show. So they've taken the way that everyone would normally react to the situation and like amped it like 10,000 times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The only person that's still in the Buffy verse right now is Xander and everyone else is in some kind of like cheesy drama. (laughs) I do like that. I do like that the show makes fun of itself with yeah. multiple apocalypses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, there's, I, I don't remember which episode it's in, but it says, I find myself having to know the plural of apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. No, this show has always been really good at just making fun of the ridiculousness of it. Xander claims he can help, but Angel just leaves right before the blonde asks if they can go for another drive. Heading outside, Xander laments his not being included, telling the blonde how he has done some quality violence for these people. (laughs) And of course, they just all act like he's some klutz. Of course, as he says this, he accidentally rams the car that's parked ahead of him, a car that happens to appear to belong to Jack. Poor Xander. (laughs) He's trying to calm himself down, telling himself it's a little fender bender. Isn't the end of the world. And then, oh boy, there's Jack looking pissed. (laughs) Back in the library, Oz seems agitated, which Willow comments on. Because can't dogs sense when there's about to be an earthquake? They bark or cows lie down or something? Buffy's only half listening, reading more about the sisterhood of G. Fierce female warriors who celebrate their victory by eating their food. Mm. Buffy wants to know why they can't just pour Gatorade on one another. (laughs) Giles comes out of his office, also agitated and mumbling under his breath about something. Have they found anything useful in the books? Not yet, but they still have a few more volumes to go through. Buffy says she's getting antsy. If they don't discover something soon, then she's going to hit the streets, maybe stop by Willie's. Giles tells them to keep looking and says he's going to consult the spirit guides. They exist outside of time can see the future. He doesn't know if they'll answer his summons, but he needs to try. After all, the fate of the world depends on who ate all the jellies. <laughs> the two girls look at him guilty and Buffy asks if he wanted a jelly. Yes, he wanted a jelly. He always has a jelly. He's the one who says, let's have jellies in the mix. I love that line. <laughs> They're it's sorry. Buffy immediately <laughs> throws Buffy under the bus. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, she ate three. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's me. I don't eat all the jellies. Oh, he, yeah. Yeah. All right, then. They'll just have Xander make another run. No, Buffy says Xander's out of this. He nearly got killed the last time they fought. The whole thing would be easier if they knew he was safe. Uh, okay. Again, plot. 
But, like, this was the part where I was starting to get offended on Xander's behalf. Like, he was just injured. So not wanting him in the actual physical fight, fine. I can forgive that. But cutting him out of the research? Yeah, Yeah. that's weird. Like, we've seen time and time again that he's good at that. And we saw in What's My Line Part 1... That he's actually better at it than Buffy. Yeah. Because Buffy says something like, oh, you guys don't need me. I'm going to leave. And Xander's like, but you make the snack runs and the ho-hos make our brains work. So Buffy is the one who usually makes the snack runs and Xander usually does research. And yet they're like, Xander's useless. We don't need him at all. And I'm like, that that's weird. It's weird that he wasn't like invited to help with the, re- especially because if Buffy goes to Willie's, now Willow's left all on her own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, it's just for plot it's, and yeah, for, for entertainment and to have everything amped up to 11 and oh yeah, just be funny. Yeah, they're in a different show right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're not they're in two completely different shows. They are. And, and Xander gets to hang out with Shannon Rose, so he gets the better deal. Yeah, but I don't know that he gets the better end of the stick. He's he's going to be having a bad night. This is true. He's about to start on a a not so fun adventure. Because Xander is not safe at all. No. We're all going to be safe. We'll be much safer in that library. <laughs> and we're all going to have a good time. What the Jesus Christ was that? Shit, that's going on our social media thing this week. Uh, uh, Jack advances on him. Xander says he's sorry. Really? But his car came out of nowhere. He was parked. <laughs> Exactly. He can pay for the damages. He doesn't have insurance in the strictest sense of the word, but he does have some money. They can settle this like two reasonable frontiersmen because Jack, oh, oh Jack, Jack is pulled out a very large hunting that knife. That knife is, first of all, where was he hiding that knife? He asked Xander where he wants it. Huh? Where does he want it? Jack, calm down. Ideally, nowhere. (laughs) The blonde tells him cool knife, and that seems to cheer Jack a bit. (laughs) Xander agrees. Way cool. Also, it's kind of a sword. Jack says her name is Katie. I love that he named it. <laughs> and I love that he named it Katie. You know what? It kind of reminds me of in Firefly, Jane has the big gun named Vera. Yes. I just like that Xander's like, oh, you oh. gave it a girl's you name. your sword. How very serial killer of you. <laughs> Getting even closer, Jack presses Katie to Xander's throat. Is he scared? Would that make him happy? As he ever so gently trails the knife along Xander's skin, he says... His woman looking on, unable to do anything. Does it make him feel pathetic? Actually, he mostly feels Katie. <laughs> Jack says, you know what the difference between us is? And again, Katie, Katie? is at the forefront of <laughs> Fear. And who has the least fear? Which Xander feels might be connected to who has the big, sharp. Jack presses Katie into Xander's hand and steps back daring him to have a go. The blonde complains that she's bored. And Xander's just like, I'm sorry, is my life in that situation not exciting enough for you? I don't know, who's more psycho? Her or... She's pretty psycho. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she just seemed kind of boring with all the car talk. And now, like, Lisette, you're, you're, you're but apparently little... she draws the line at dead people. Yes. Yeah, being resurrected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She draws the line at zombies. 
Yeah. yeah, physical violence is just another day in the park for her. She's like, yeah, whatever, assaulting, uh, you know, may- maybe a nice good stabbing. Who cares? But zombie. Oh, uh, no. Well, I mean, a lot of people draw the line at zombies. True. Jack tackles him, pinning him to the car. But before anything else can happen, a police officer happens by. Can we talk about how I think this is the first time in Buffy history yes! that a police officer does something useful? <laughs> I have it in my notes. I'm like, where is this police officer? The other 863 times violence occurs at the broth. Well, yeah, apparently, he didn't, apparently he didn't get the note from the mayor that the cops are supposed to stay away from the bronze. Yeah. Is he new? He's new on the force. Uh, apparently, but apparently he knows Jack O'Toole. That's true. He does know Jack O'Toole. So apparently he just has it in for Jack O'Toole. He's probably just watching him. Oh, maybe he's secretly a jackal. <laughs> Jack says there's, because we're going to talk about the fact that these guys are actually in a gang. I yeah. <laughs> We'll get there. Yeah. Jack says there's no problem. Just wrestling. And it seems the cop knows him and knows he can be trouble. He asked Xander if Jack attacked him and Xander, both wanting to seem cool and being very much afraid of Jack and Katie, <laughs> says, no, no, just two guys wrestling. <laughs> the cop tells them to do it somewhere else and walks off. Xander, it seems, has impressed Jack. He could have narked, but he didn't. And so Jack decides he likes Xander. Does he and his date want to have some fun? As long as it involves driving, the blonde is in. Xander asks what Jack has in mind, and he says he was just on his way to pick up the boys. Do a little cruising. They can take Xander's wheels. Okay, but what about Jack's car? Oh, that's not his. Jack and the blonde climb into the car, and Xander follows. So, the boys, where are they? Cut to the cemetery. (laughs) Where Jack is performing some sort of necromancy ritual over the grave of his friend Bobby. Does he have a chicken bone? Can we talk about how, like, throughout this episode, we somehow learn that it's Jack's grandpa who has, yeah. like, the power to rise people from the dead? Grandpappy! I don't know what the deal is with this grandfather. It's Sunnydale, man. So I had some thoughts on that because of the fact that, like, Jack says stuff like Roslyn and he calls his grandfather That's what I was thinking, too, yeah. I think that they're, like, transplants almost from, like, the Appalachian Mountains. yeah. And yeah. so, like, and the Appalachian Mountains have a lot of, like, folklore magic that goes on there. Plus, a lot of escaped slaves went to live in the Appalachians. So they combined this, like, folklore magic that they had going on from the Pennsylvania and the Dutch. Or, like, not not the Pennsylvania, from the German and the Dutch settlers who settled up in those mountains. And you combined it with, like, the hoodoo rituals of the slaves who made mm-hmm. it up there. And yeah, I think I think that's where Jack's family's from. And I think this is some weird mountain magic. Yeah, yeah. The way that he the way that he talks and his whole his whole demeanor screams Appalachia to me. Yeah. Yeah. And he's definitely because he's definitely not California. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Because like, yeah, especially with Grandpappy and Rasslin. Yeah, those are those are my people, the mountain people. So yeah, see, he raises his friend Bobby. I know they call him Bob, but I think he feels like a Bobby. He looks like a Bobby. Calling him to rise. Cuts his hand, letting a few drops of blood land on the earth. And sure enough, Bobby rises. Crawls Big out of Bob. His grave, <laughs> and goes right to give Jack a hug. He did it. He raised him. I like Big Bob. I, I know I, he's... Now, Bobby's Southern Cal- Bobby's California. Oh, Bobby, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, the others are definitely like 
friends he made once he moved. But Jack is definitely from somewhere else. Yeah. Totally freaked out by this. The blonde takes off running. Xander (laughs) yelling after her to call him. (laughs) So, okay. So the blonde is never given a name in the episode. But we do learn from the credits that her name is Lizette. And she's played by an actress named Whitney Dillon. And she will come back and be on Angel as Merelda, a serving wench during the Pylea arc. <laughs> oh, Pylea. Pylea. Yeah. Do the dance of honor, Numfar. <laughs> Do the dance of shame, Numfar. <laughs> oh, that's going to, oh. I, you know what? I can't wait to get to the Pylea. That's... <laughs> I love the Pylea arc. Uh, and crew. <laughs> yeah. Bobby can't believe Jack raised him. And Jack says he told him. Told him Grandpappy knew how to work that mojo. Yeah, see, he also calls it mojo. Yeah. Bobby tells Jack he's the coolest. And Xander says maybe he should let them catch up. That's when Jack introduces him, saying that Xander is going to be their wheelman. Bobby greets him and then tells Jack they need to go get the other guys. Of course, of course. As they head deeper into the cemetery, Xander asks if all their friends are dead. (laughs) Bobby asks how long he's been gone. Eight months. Jack needed to wait for the planets to align. Eight months. He has so much to catch up on. Walker, Texas Ranger. He's been taping it every episode. Good. These are exactly the sort of people that would watch Walker Texas. <laughs> but I also love, like, as psycho as these people are, I love their friendship. Their friendship is the best. Like, like I, am, I am bringing you back from the dead. Like, yes, we are going to cause... A lot of trouble, but you're my friend. I just wanted to go to Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> As Xander catches up, Bobby excitedly exclaims, they're going to get the others and they're going to party. This is going to be a night to remember. Yeah, Xander's beginning to sense that. <laughs> we see them claiming another of Jack's friends and then move to a different cemetery, Restfield, where Giles is attempting to speak to the spirit guides. It doesn't go well. <laughs> Though he implores the spirits not to ignore him, to tell him the weakness of the beast so it might be defeated, they just seem agitated. (laughs) Telling him basically to fuck off and never bother them again. (laughs) They they were kind of rude spirits. (sighs) As they depart back to the other, Xander wanders over because, you know, they just happen to have a pickup there too. (laughs) He asks what's going on and Giles says he was attempting to talk to the spirit guides, but it proved to be a bus. What's Xander doing there? Oh, you know, just raising the heck. Raising the heck. <laughs> Jack starts calling to Xander, saying they have to motor. But Xander wants to know if there's anything he can do. Anything they need help with? Giles says there's something different. Something in the air. The stench of death. Yeah, Xander's pretty <laughs> sure that's Bob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Xander. Anyway, Giles <sighs> heads off and says it should be fine. As long as they have a few weeks to prepare. About that. <laughs> Seems it's all going down that night. Tonight. Or at least according to Willie, who's looking a little worse for the wear. <laughs> Buffy says the ambulance is on its way, but why did they do this? They were looking for Angel, her too. So they couldn't let anything stand at the way. Willie knows his clientele ain't saints. He's never seen anything like these demons. He tells Buffy that if he was her, he'd go find Angel and then find someplace nice, quiet, where they can be together. Because this might be her last night on Earth. She needs to decide how she wants to spend it. Cut to Bobby, standing in the back of the car, yelling about getting some beers. (laughs) He sits back down and the others talk about what they want to do. Pick up girls, get Taco Bell, (laughs) make a cake. I love the bake a cake line. Yeah. (laughs) And then start talking about how they died. And it sounds like they were actually in a gang. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because they mentioned the jackals and how the jackals killed one of them, which caused Jack and the other to decimate them. Xander says if they want to be dropped off. Oh, no, he's one of them now. Part of the group. I love how Parker's like, yeah, man, yeah. like laid his zombie hands on Xander <laughs> while Xander's kind of like, don't touch me. <laughs> like, again, I know that they're, I know that they're not good guys, but. Yeah, you, can't, you can't be a psycho b- bomber murderer every, every hour of the day. You got to go home and eat your Taco Bell and watch Texas Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have downtime. <sighs> Nobody wants to do their day job every day, all day. <laughs> I also I also just want to point out that the whole time they're talking about baking a cake, they break into a hardware store. And at no point is Xander like, why would you get cake supplies from a hardware store? You know what? Xander isn't isn't always. I think he's a bit distracted by the fact that he's hanging around with a psychopath and dead people. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. He is having he is having a bit of a rough night. Eventually, the guys seek Jack's advice, and he says he's going to have to go with Dickie's idea, making a cake. They direct Xander to the hardware store, and they tell him to keep the motor running as they jump out. This time of night, Xander doesn't think anything is open, except for crime. (laughs) Because, yeah, the guys just smash open the window and step inside. Great. Now he's involved in crime. He's the criminal element. Wow. Having a car sure is fun. (laughs) Now he's the getaway driver. Since the gang is finally now all together, let's talk about who plays our three zombies. Yes! Bobby is played by Michael Cudlitz, who has been in such things as 24, Prison Break, Bone, CSI. He seems to do a lot of cop procedural shows. Yeah, yeah, he has that look. Yeah, I was going to say, which doesn't surprise me, because if you look up pictures of him now, he is like the epitome of who central casting would send for a cop. Yeah, he was on The Walking Dead. Parker is played by Darren Heems, who's also done 24 in CSI, but also did Days of Our Lives and Sons of Anarchy because he was on the Belfast arc of that show. And Dickie was played by Scott Storance, who didn't really do a lot of acting under the, after this, but he did appear on Six Feet Under as schoolboy number two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hearing Willow's voice across the way as she thanks the owner of the magic shop apologizing for waking them, he calls out to her hopping out of the car. Surprised to see him, Willow asks what he's doing there. Nothing. Certainly not crime. What's she doing? (laughs) She says she was grabbing the ingredients for a protection spell. Buffy called from Angels. It's happening tonight. And the thing that is happening would be... Because, yeah, no one's bothered to tell Xander the world is ending. I mean, I know he said apocalypse earlier, but I think he was just being like, yeah, apocalypse. Yeah, it's like, yeah, there's an apocalypse every week. Like, Is this the magic store that eventually becomes the magic box? No, this is a different one, I think. Well, this is called Uncle Bob's Magic Cabinet, which is amazing. <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. Um, but I no, thought it was like maybe the one that eventually becomes the magic box. It might be. I know the like legit set that will become the magic box was the place where like Ted was creeping in his like bungalow, like whatever store Ted's bungalow was under. <laughs> Mm. that's the literal set that becomes the magic box like it yeah has it is it is gonna be yeah it is gonna be the same it is gonna be the same yeah yeah because okay. yeah the the wiki says that it was it previously eventually. so yeah it's at the same okay it's at the same location yes so this is yes this will eventually be giles's magic store yeah. 
So yeah, no one's bothered to tell Xander the world is ending. Lily just says she has no time and she has to get the work on spell. Again, that's mm, so mad at everyone. Just a little, just a little side note. He does buy it in 2000 after Harmony kills the owner and he buys it because the shop has a high profit margin. <laughs> I would think I so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now they don't have to, like, I love him buying the magic, the magic shop just because now they don't have to go anywhere else. He has yeah. it. And Anya can make the money. Yes. Because she loves the money. <laughs> she wants to trade children for money. <laughs> oh, I love Anya. I know. Willard does hug him, though, telling him she loves him before running off. And yeah, Xander's starting to suspect the thing they're not telling him may be the world ending. <laughs> because he's ready to take off himself. Only Jack's right there. Where's it going? He says something just came up and he's not going to bail on them, is he? By this time, the others are out of the store carrying bags and declaring they got the cake mix. <laughs> Jack tells them Xander is looking to leave them. What? But they need a wheelman. He says Xander doesn't feel like part of the group. Bobby points out that's because Xander hasn't been initiated. They think he's ready. Parker thinks he's ready. <laughs> so do the others. And Xander not really seeing a way out of this says, yeah, okay, he wants to be part of the gang. No, you don't. What's he need to do? Pulling out Katie, Jack tells him he needs to die. <laughs> uh, Xander would like to talk about this. But the others, they just push. He wants to be in the gang, right? Of course he does. He just not dying to be in the gang. Forgive his pun. <laughs> what, does he think he's too good to be dead? What does he have against dead people? <laughs> Pointing to Jack, Xander says, he's not dead. <laughs> Wrong. He is. And he lifts up his shirt to reveal several bullet wounds. Drive by three weeks ago. Turns out his grandpappy found him. And so he wasn't gone but 10 minutes before he was brought back. Dickie <laughs> emphasizes that they should kill Xander. It'll be fun. <laughs> and then they, he could be a full-fledged member. Starting to advance, Jack tells him to take it like a man. Stopping them, Xander says to just hold on. They've had their fun, but they're forgetting one small thing. Taking off, he leads them on a small <laughs> semi-chase around the square and through the closed patio of the espresso pump before hopping back in the driver's seat and taking off. Disappointed, the boys say, there goes their wheels. Not to mention he took all their stuff. Jack assures them it'll be fine. They can get more. And back into the hardware store they go. <laughs> Driving around, Xander says, this is just about enough excitement for one night. So, you know, as soon as he turns a corner, he runs into Faith. Fighting with a member of the sisterhood, hitting the demon with his car, he calls for Faith to hop in and the two take off back to Faith's crappy motel apartment. As they head inside, Xander asks Faith if she thinks they were followed. Nah, they're good. Bitch dislocated her shoulder, though. She tells Xander to hold her, and when he comes over to do so very awkwardly, <laughs> she helps position his hands. Because what she needs at that exact moment is a brace, so she can pop her arm back in. It works. Her shoulder's better, but, well, a fight like that, no kill. Faith feels she's about to pop. She needs to relieve some tension, and she wants to know if Xander's up for it. <laughs> oh, he's up. Very up, in fact. <laughs> he's just never upped with people before. <laughs> oh, just, Xander. Uh, I've never been up with people before is such a teenage. Well, uh, I mean, he was dating Corey, but he's never been. Uh, no, never, they no, didn't no, do they it, never. But... No, they never. They never any any guy who's actually kissed a girl has been up with someone with people. He just hasn't done anything with it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the straight male perspective, Kevin. That's yeah. why we bring you on. I'm filling that one in. <laughs> yes. Yes. I do feel like this whole sexual encounter is some Anya foreshadowing because Xander, like, 
you know, after this, it's like he eventually ends up with Anya, who's very like sexually forward, like uh, Faith is. Mm-hmm. He just needs someone who can take control. Because he he just jokes when anything awkward comes up. It's his it's his defense mechanism, mm-hmm. and he'll never get anywhere because he just makes fun about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shushing him, Faith begins to kiss him before telling him to relax and take off his pants. Two things that are impossible to do together, according to Xander. But he starts to. They kiss some more, and Faith is throwing him down on her bed. She straddles him, pulling off her shirt and promising to steer him around the curves. Has Xander mentioned he's having a very strange night? (laughs) I do love the way they film the sex scene where you see everything through the reflection of the TV and the television. I don't know if that was done so they could use body doubles. I'm 100% sure it was done so they could use body doubles because I think Eliza Dushku is pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. But I I really, I really love his line about I'm having a strange night. Once again. Comedy for defense. Yeah, because he really is. It is like his night just gets weirder and weirder. As they cuddle for 2.5 seconds, (laughs) super sweet music is playing. And then, bam, Faith's kicking him out, closing hands, saying she needs a shower. (laughs) Trying to comprehend what just happened, Xander heads to the car. Xander's in that point where he's like, oh, my God, a a girl likes me and I'm I'm. I'm going to be able to do this and have like an enjoyment in a relationship. And she's just like, because like he's never really other than Cordy, you know, he's like, he hasn't been in anything else. And so he's all of a sudden, ploop, she just kicks him out. He's like, uh, what just happened? But it's also a very faith thing to happen. Oh, yeah. 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 It's a very faith thing. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. What is it? It was not use, them and, use them and lose them. Yeah. Is faith's whole thing. Yep. That is not Xander's thing though. No. He, he wants to, he wants to, like, yeah, he wanted Be to involved. bask. He wanted to bask in the moment. Mm-hmm. And we go back to the library where Oz is still losing it, just continually throwing himself against the wall of the cage. Willow says she's never seen him like this. Handing her the tranquilizer gun, Giles heads over to the cage. They need to move him just in case the hell mouth does open. He begins to unlock it, telling Willow not to hesitate. And she doesn't, which is good, because even before Giles is finished, Oz is throwing himself against the door, throwing Giles back and making it go at running for him. She hits him once, and Giles grabs hold of him, trying to wrestle him down so Willow can hit him again, which she does. Giles says they need to move him before he wakes. Petting his head, Willow says she hopes he isn't mad at her in the morning. Aww. No offense, but um, why would you open the cage before you shoot him? It's a cage, not a forced field. You just shoot him right through it. <laughs> So we can see more of that weird monkey suit. Yeah, yeah. I'm jumping. I'm jumping. Uh, I don't even. Is that? It, he was quite tiny. Was that Seth Green in there? It might be. Yeah. It might be. We yeah. we paid we paid for this suit, so we have to use it as much as possible and put it on screen. Because nothing is worse than paying for a costume or a prosthetic or or the makeup and then not being able to use it. They got their money's worth out of yep. that monkey suit. Yep. Getting back in his car, Xander notices the bags left in his back seat. Pulling one up to the front, he notices it's filled with kerosene, wires, and other things they would need if they wanted to make a big boom. Frowning, he realizes that, hey, they're not making a cake. Oh my god, Xander. I had one problem with that. That's just me and physics. Uh, the, keros- <laughs> the kerosene container was empty. <laughs> it didn't It didn't move properly. He picked it up, though, so light. They could have filled it with water, but, you know, it did didn't slosh. They spent all the money on the monkey suit. <laughs> it's water. 
You can put water in it. <laughs> no, we couldn't afford the water. Couldn't it all went water. to the monkey suit. <laughs> and so he rushes back to the hardware store, but they're long gone. So Sandra tries to think, dead guys, dead guys with supplies. Where would they go? His mind drifts to the fact he just had sex and he's all like, no, let's concentrate. <laughs> Before realizing he is completely out of his league. So he decides to go find Buffy. She'll know what to do, or will she? Because right now, <laughs> Buffy is at the mansion telling Angel she doesn't know what to do. Kind of like Band Candy, this episode is just one fantastic transition after another. Yeah. I love it. Angel says, let him decide for her. He can fight it. He can't. Well, then he can buy enough time for Willow's binding spell to take hold. This is bigger than anything they've ever faced. This just the I love this so much. This this, this reminds. I love that he's crying. I love I love how over dramatic this it's is. Over the, the, top. the music the music is dramatic and swelling and oh yeah. The hair is so crimped. The- <laughs> Crimped hair was very cool back then. Sorry, I just couldn't not look at it again. (laughs) Angel says there's no other way. And Buffy says she won't watch him die. Not again. He tells her he loves her, that nothing will change that. Not even death. And for once when they're saying all this, it is actually appropriate to laugh. It is because it's supposed to be funny. It's they Mm, they they recognize that it has to be over the top, especially when Sander comes in. <laughs> yeah, because she tells him that no, she won't lose him. They're going to do this her way or Xander interrupts. <laughs> Clearing his throat to get their attention. He's, uh, well, he's, you see, he has this, you know what? This seems like a bad time. And, and the music, the music stops. They're staring at him. They're crying. He's, <laughs> it's just like, hi guys. <laughs> he turns to leave, but then quickly turns back. Can he help? Buffy and Angel both shake their heads and Xander departs for real. Buffy and Angel immediately go back to staring intensely at The music at one starts up again. <laughs> the tears are still in their eyes. And Xander, he goes back up the steps out of the garden saying, he can do this. He can handle this. He just needs to figure out what they want to blow up. Which is when we go to the school. And the library, where Giles is lighting candles in preparation of the binding spell. Symbols already drawn on the bit of a floor that sits directly over the hellmouth. Willow returns from moving Oz and asks Giles if he's sure he'll be safe there. Giles assures her that there is much safer than in the library, and then tosses her the lighter, asking her to finish lighting the candles. Willow seems to be a bit put out that he chose the binding spell they're doing, and even more put out that he doesn't want her to be an active part of it, claiming that he wants her safe. They have no idea what could come from beneath them. And... So we go to beneath them, to the school basement, where Jack and the others are putting the finishing touches on their bomb. Setting the timer for 60 minutes, they grin. This is going to be large. Having left the mansion, Xander's back in the car and saying, he'll go find Giles. Giles is way more competent than Buffy. (laughs) But as he gets farther down the street, he sees Jack and the others. He begins to slow and they cheer the return of their wheels man right up until Xander grabs Parker and keeps on driving. Where's the bomb? In the school. (laughs) Where in the school? Parker just says this really, really hurts. (laughs) But Xander keeps on. He has one more question and Parker better pray he knows the answer. How does he... He doesn't get to finish this question because it's like a And Parker's head comes off. <laughs> oh, oh. And his reaction to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, motion. Xander drops Parker's body 
probably should have left out all that middle stuff. Oh my god, it's so it's so good. He keeps driving and the others keep chasing him. Arriving at the school, he dashes inside and right past the basement door, but doubles back only to find it locked. Great. All the worst stuff happens in the Sunnydale school basement. The Sunnydale school basement is just, it is a basement. I think we've said it before. It's a basement of doom. It's we, like, yeah, yeah. We've we've discussed how nothing good happens in the basement. It's like creepy And I love how after the all these things happen, the school seem seems to like leave the basement door unlocked. They're not like, maybe we should padlock this. I feel like maybe they did, but too many people broke the padlocks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know. The whole school is cursed and the thing. People get possessed right? by ghosts in the hall. Uh zombie I mean vampires come through windows. The Hellmouth. You know. They got the Hellmouth in the library. Conveniently on place of amongst some kind of circle uh graphic <laughs> in the ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Conveniently it's, placed for yeah. the target. Yeah. Well that just that way when it breaks again, it just breaks the circle. <laughs> like <laughs> It's like the it's like the the Sunnydale High School is like um the 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 tower that the building in Ghostbusters. Some crazy psychopath like made it with some kind of material zinc or some other thing <laughs> and they and and now it summons demons and everything to it like There you a, go. There you go. It's tower. that it's that crazy guy from <laughs> From Ghostbusters. Oh, and, and they say they're in the same universe. So, you know, the guy's yeah, an architect. Yeah, he maybe built a few other buildings. That's true. Oh, that's, that's true. true. They did have Tobin's spirit guide. As far as Slayers go, both Buffy and Faith are in the library with Angel, Giles, and Willow, weapons in hand, facing down the creature from inside the Hellmouth. Giles says it's grown. Outside the library, Xander runs by, chased by Jack, Bobby, and Dickie. Dickie doubling back to see what's going on inside the library because he seems to like the chaos. <laughs> He runs to catch back up, though, and as they enter another hallway, Jack suggests they split up. Sander couldn't have gotten far. Heading off down some stairs, Bobby grabs himself a fire axe. Good for chopping, he says. And he means it, because when he runs into Xander in the student lounge, he just begins chopping away. (laughs) trying to chop away. Xander manages to avoid it, getting the axe from him and getting him down on the ground. He then uses the axe as a lever to push the soda machine on top of Bobby, squishing him. (laughs) Which is what Dickie discovers when he comes across the student lounge. Bobby, under the machine, also Xander, standing there with the axe, staring Dickie down. Xander says he really should have expected this. He played with fire, and Dickie just takes off running, and Xander says, hey, he wasn't finished. <laughs> this, whole, this whole sequence from here on to the end, there's so much horror comedy going on here. Mm-hmm. This is like Sam Raimi, Evil oh, Dead yeah. kind of kind of stuff and it's just so good (laughs) giving chase he says he really needs to cut down on the talking (laughs) elsewhere buffy is thrown from the library by the creature which is attempting to escape she gets up yelling for faith to go for the heart as she begins to run back in xander chases dickie through the hall the two of them rounding a corner only to come right back again (laughs) this time the two of them being chased by three members of the sisterhood xander ducks to the side but dickie runs into an abandoned classroom the members of the sisterhood follow and well they they do what buffy says they do they eat him (laughs) yep there's some spoiled meat they're gonna have tummy aches oh yeah yeah they were already dead taking a moment to compose himself xander says Boiler room. Only when he goes to go one way, one of the creature's heads pops out. So yeah, other way it is. (laughs) Breaking the door open with an axe, Xander heads down the stairs and into the boiler room where he finds the bomb with less than two minutes left in the countdown. He greets it with a hello, nasty, 
which was also the name of the recently released Beastie Boys album, mm-hmm. before saying, Dumb guy, big bomb, how hard can it be? Very. Because Jack tackles him directly after he says that. They begin to fight. Jack unnecessarily says, it just got harder. Because, duh. That's what she said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> Thank you, Michael Scott. Yes. <laughs> Xander says he's not leaving till the bomb is deactivated. And Jack says then he guesses he's not leaving. Getting Xander up against a workbench, he says Xander really pissed him off. And for that, he's going to pay. First the eyes, then the tongue, then the fingers. Xander wants to know how he's going to do all that in 49 seconds. Jack looks towards the bomb and Xander takes that moment to throw him off. Their fight begins anew until it comes to a standstill. Looking from Jack to the door, Xander says he knows what he's thinking. Can Jack get past him up the stairs and out of the school with only seconds left to go? Honestly, Xander doesn't like Jack's chances. Jack says then Xander's going to die too. Yeah, probably. But he's accepted that. So who has more fear? Jack's not afraid to die. He's done it before. He has. (laughs) But this is different. Being blown up? That's not drinking with your buddies dead. That's itty bitty pieces dead. Is he ready for that? Is Xander... Xander says he likes the quiet, which of course leads to a flash of the very chaotic battle going on upstairs. Lights flashing, monsters screaming, everyone waving weapons. Back down in the basement, it is quiet. Just the sound of the timer beeping as it counts down. 12, 11, 10, 9. Xander just stands there staring at Jack as Jack stares back, occasionally looking towards the door. Eventually, with two seconds left, Jack pulls the wire, disarming it, his hand shaking. With a good boy, Xander begins to walk out, pausing when he's beside Jack. He doesn't want to be seeing him on campus anymore. Jack's pissed, and once Xander's gone, Jack moves towards the, towards the second door, saying he's not going anywhere. Which I guess is technically true. <laughs> As when he opens that door, Oz attacks, tearing him into bits and also eating him. I love this how this ends with Oz eating him. Yeah, I love I love how through this whole scene with as ridiculous as Xander's night went, at this whole scene he's just like fuck it. I don't care. I'm just gonna that's it. I've had yeah. enough. Today was well, ridiculous. I, I think also like the to me it's showing them the that not only is there power in like physically fighting, like we mm-hmm. see the main characters doing every yeah. episode, but there's power in quiet. Yeah. So they're trying to show that, you know, there's there's different ways to be powerful. And so Xander's way of being powerful is is being quiet. Well, which He's is waiting. funny because Xander's very rarely quiet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> which yeah. I, which I like. I like I like his whole thing here at the end too, because he is usually talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nor like nor like you see earlier on when he first meets jack he's babbling nervously but after everything that happened in this whole night he's like that's it i'm done yeah but he's also doing the things that he's almost learned too like talking to oz and Mm -hmm. everyone else and like being cool under pressure and looking you know like everything that he was trying to learn from each person he literally just did it right yeah well and and also like he learned that you don't try too hard you just do it Mm mm-hmm this is true. I also like how um, you can tell this took multiple takes, which obviously it did. Because if you're counting the beeps, yeah, there are yeah. way more than 12. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Longest 12 seconds ever. And I mean, that happens in most shows where there's something like this. Right. Even the most, even the most well-produced show when yeah, it comes to a countdown get... is going to be. You got to after add the sound so you can count back. Yeah. 
We end the episode on the next morning. Willow, Oz, Buffy, and Giles sit together at a picnic table, Buffy's arm in a sling. Willow says even after the Hellmouth was closed, she could still hear the screaming. Oz asks if Angel's going to be okay, and Buffy says he was only out for a few minutes, the longest of her life. The music playing under this conversation is perfect. This whole this whole dramatic conversation and the music and everybody being banged up and yeah, they, yeah, they got messed. Everyone's got bruises and yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I, the only thing they could have done is actually have killed and brought someone else back off screen, which would have been good. Too. Yeah, yeah. Willow doesn't think she'll ever forget that thing's face. It's real face. And Buffy, she doesn't know how Giles managed to. It was the bravest thing she's ever seen. <laughs> Giles says it was also the stupidest. <laughs> but the world continues to turn. Willow says no one will ever know how close it came to stopping what they did. I was just like, yeah, just like they didn't know the night of the harvest yeah, or the, right. the master rose. Or right. like, yeah. I think they have to say that, though, because what what we as the audience know is that our main team, our our a- apocalypse a team doesn't know what Xander did to save the world. Yeah. In, yeah. in his part of the episode. Yeah. Yeah, because Xander saved them all because they would have blown up with the school. Yeah, while they were fighting, while they were fighting the Hellmouth, the, the Hellmouth, it would have it would have really messed up because it was literally right below them. It would have yeah, just blown yeah. the Hellmouth open wide. And also, also like it would have ruined the mayor's plans. Ugh. That is true. Yep, mayor would have been very upset. Yeah, Xander joins them, and Willow says he's lucky he wasn't at school last night. It was crazed. <laughs> Instead of telling him about his night, he just smiles, saying, give him the quiet life. He's going to go get a snack. Anyone want? Oz? Oz says, no, he's oddly full. <laughs> I love that. Heading off, Xander runs into Cordy, who is off to teach her fourth period history class. <laughs> I, just, I, don't, I don't know what's going on with her outfits this episode. Like, who chose these? We need to, we'll need to post her outfits from this oh, episode. Yes, yeah. yes, we will. She greets him with an, oh, look, it's Mr. Excitement. Is he on another life or death donut mission? Or is he just cruising for bimbos? (laughs) Giving them lessons and lack of cool. I don't know. Cordy does seem a little jealous there. Xander, he doesn't say anything. He just smiles and walks away, which drives Cordelia insane. It's the power of quiet. Yeah. The power of quiet. He didn't, he didn't rise to her bait. The end. I love, I love this, is, this episode. It's such a good episode. It's like one of my top five. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Although I want to mention something because because Xander did get laid the night before. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. And and it, it's it's like a thing like like one of my friends in college uh, didn't have that experience until he was in college. And we were just he comes walking up and my buddy and I are looking at him like, what is wrong with him? Like, <laughs> this was a day later, you know, and we're like. You got laid, and, and and we were right. And there was you could like it's just this thing that happens. Like, I don't know if it's the same for ladies, but the next day it's just it's just like this guys are like woo, and like some other world. They're like some other person for a while. I think um, I feel that way now sometimes still too. <laughs> well, Froggy, now we all know that. <laughs> Anyway, well, for Xander, I mean, the whole episode is kind of about him growing and evolving in various ways. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things one of the things that I like is that this is going to come back around. 
him yeah. getting, mm-hmm. which it's going to come back in a fucked up way. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to see poor Willow react to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, yeah, like that. Yeah. So like, I am glad that him having sex with Faith in this episode isn't something that's forgotten about. But oof, poor Xander in that episode. <laughs> oh, poor Xander. Indeed. All right. That's it for this week. Thank you all for listening. And make sure to join us next time when we take on season three, episode 14, Bad Girls. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. If you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts, or write to us directly at thewatchesdiaries at gmail.com. More fan mail! Bye! Bye. 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 Bye.